for the word of the Lord this morning. I'm ready to deliver it. God's given me something to share. Let's stand. We're in Psalm 103, and I want to open with verse number 1 through 5. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Has anyone done that yet today? With all that is within me. Hmm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Benefits. You've been benefited by God's goodness to you. And let's read the rest of it together. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Wow. So, Father, those are your words inspired by the Holy Spirit toward us. We are blessed. And so as I get to deliver this, I'm grateful and honored. It's a privilege. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. In the Word of God, in this passage, we have a short list of what happens to us when we are willing to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and our Lord. And everyone in the culture we're living in today is looking you know, for some employment to better themselves in their employment. And of course, one of their first questions happens to be, well, what are the benefits? <laughs> what are the benefits? Almost to the point now in this culture where there's an imbalance you know, many, many years back, there were little benefits for some, some laborers. They worked hard, and they got their paycheck, and that was about the size of it. That was it. And, uh, and we've seen that change, and sometimes there's an imbalance going the other way. People want this, want this, want this. They're very interested in what they're going to get. <clears throat> so my question then becomes, like, what are you actually going to do for the organization that benefits you? What are you doing for them, the people that have employed you? Because, you know, we sang earlier today about I believe in, in God the Father and I believe in Christ his Son and I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. And uh, we have tr the Trinity and we understand what that means in Scripture theologically. But in some, some folk in American culture have their own new Trinity. It's not God the Father and Jesus the Son or the Holy Spirit. It's me, myself, and I. That's their new Trinity. What do I get out of this? What's in this for me? So before being hired, we're told what benefits might come with the position. And it's important to know what those are because they can be a blessing to you and your family. Of course, all of us are trying to wade through this mess of government-mandated health care, try to figure out how that works. But, and what does your vacation time look like? I just saw a big article written last week in a national magazine about Vacations are no longer what they once were in America's families. Um, they're rare, and they're not as frequent. And uh, you know, the block of time we used to set apart is no longer the case. People are taking them in little bites. It's a different culture. Now, when you join the kingdom of God, and you become a part of that kingdom, he threw in some benefits. And they're not just light, light, light ones. See if you can calculate in your mind the dollar value that they have in your life. Because some believers don't understand the benefits that they have access to. 
And what are some of them? Do not forget all of his benefits. What are they? He forgives all your iniquities. Wow. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. He, he, he satisfies your mouth with good things and renews your youth like the eagles. And David is reminding himself here about the greatness of our God. He says to himself, you need to bless the Lord. He's speaking to himself. You need to thank the Lord. You need to remind yourself of all the blessings that you've received because you know who God is. And David proceeds to make a list of those things that are the favor of the Lord in his life. The first stop in David's list, divine forgiveness. We receive divine forgiveness because we've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, God's Son. Divine forgiveness. Wow. We used to sing those songs about forgiveness. We used to sing about saved by his power divine, saved through new life and to new life sublime. We used to sing, redeemed how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Wow. Because we understood a little bit better what it meant to be forgiven. Amen? So here are three blessings of divine forgiveness. I want you to write them down or remember them, maybe in your flyleaf, in your Bible, in your notes. Number one, God removes our transgressions. Say the word removes. Because all three of the points will have a word in them that begins with an R. So you can remember these blessings related to being forgiven. Removes. He removes all our transgressions. And I want to give you three different words for missing the mark, which is sin. And here the word used will be transgressions. So in Psalm 103, same Psalm, he has not dealt with us according to our sins. Anybody want to thank the Lord that he has not dealt with us according to our sins? Because we would not be breathing in here right now. Nor punished us according to our iniquities. Anybody want to say thank God for that? <laughs> for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him or reverence him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Wow. He has removed our transgressions. And there are differences in these words, these two words, iniquity and transgression. Both are sins. Yet there are subtle differences. And that helps us understand how it is we miss the mark and we sin against the Lord. Iniquity is inward motivation. We sin, then we inwardly try to justify it so that we can continue to do what we're enjoying doing. The inward motivation drives us towards sin, then we justify sinning, and then we harden our hearts toward the sinning, and it becomes more difficult for our conscience to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's rebuke when we are stepping over the line. It's very dangerous to go down this path to the dark side, because it's going on in your heart, and it starts at the core of your being. Transgression is the outward movement 
It's the outward movement. Motivation and movement. Motivation and movement. We don't use the word transgress much as we communicate in this culture we're living in today. A similar word we might use in its place is is trespass. So to transgress or trespass means to step over a boundary, to trespass. The inward motivation is iniquity. The outward movement is transgression. Iniquity is in the heart. Transgression is in the hands. Iniquity is the attitude. Transgression is the action. It's how Jesus describes lust and adultery. Both are sins. Lust is in the heart. Adultery is the transgression. The Pharisees began to teach that as long as you didn't transgress, trespass, step over a boundary, it wasn't sin. So they had teachings justifying the corruptions of their hearts. When it came to lust, as far as they were concerned, it's okay to window shop. That was their perspective. Until Jesus one day lifted the shade and said, you're like whited sepulchers. You look good on the outside, but you stink on the inside. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, this is not okay. And he preached to the people, the law tells us not to transgress, do not commit adultery. And then he says, I say to you, if you lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So he said, if it's in your heart, you've already transgressed God's ways. Wow. Then Jesus goes on to teach, the law says, do not murder But I'm saying to you, if you hate your brother, you've already murdered him. So Jesus is trying to let the people know, iniquity is sin also, not just transgression, but iniquity is sin. It's transgressing God's will. So this is a very easy way to remember the meaning of iniquity. From the Hebrew, it's this. Iniquity is the same as inequity. Iniquity is the same as inequity. It's when we are not equitable or equal to God's holiness. That's called sin. We are not equal to or equitable to God's holiness. That's sin. Anything that does not equal God's holiness in motive or in action, see, is iniquity or transgression because it is inequitable. So God's word is perfect. It's flawless. So look at this. Iniquity is inward sin, transgression, is outward sin. In Isaiah 53, then you've got the promise of the messianic privilege. Listen to this. You see this all described, iniquity inward, transgression outward, but he was wounded outward for our transgressions. So what we do outwardly, he took the hit for that. But he was bruised inwardly, For our iniquities, what we do in here, he also took the hit for that. He covered all our sins. That's exactly what the psalmist says, who forgives all our, what? Iniquities. A bruise is inward bleeding. Jesus was the perfect atonement, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. And God has removed our transgressions. What does that mean? How far has he removed our transgressions from us? As far as the east is from the west. And as we attempt to wrap our brains around that, we think that if we were to travel east and another person travels west, that they're going to meet up somewhere. No, 
Because if you chase the eastern horizon, you'll continue to chase the eastern horizon, and you'll never reach the eastern horizon because it's not a fixed point. Right? God is speaking linearly here. As far as the east is from the west, I have removed your transgressions. Now how far that is? That's infinity. Okay. He has removed or completely done away with our transgressions. And some people think, you know, God keeps a little file cabinet with all our pre-salvation bookings and rap sheet listings and everything we've done is in that cabinet. And each and every sin pre-salvation is kept in this huge database that God keeps. It's the NSA of heaven. And he's got everything all laid out there in your pre-salvation life. And now that we're saved and we, we sin and, and we think, uh-oh, now I've got to go to ask God to forgive me because after I became a Christian, I, I transgressed. And, and, and this is how we calculate how God's going to respond when we come to him now. And he's, he's going to say to us, well, before I forgive you, this sounds familiar. Let me check your file. Let's see. The sin that you're asking forgiveness of today, oh, here it is. Back in 1991, you committed this sin. In fact, before that, you committed this sin eight times. And the record says that you committed this sin 90 times in one year. That's our human conception of how God might operate. Now watch this. God threw your database away. He absolutely destroyed it. He didn't just wipe the server as some politicians who want to be president have. But he threw your database away, okay, as far as the east is from the west. Now, if there were a whiteboard for each of us hanging in heaven where all of your sins were written on it, okay, know this. God washed your whiteboard with the blood of Jesus, his son. There's a chemical in his blood that never allows anyone to ever resurrect your forgiven sins again. They are gone, abolished, wiped away. Gone. Know this, that's the only way God could have a relationship with us. A holy God has completely and totally dealt with our sins at the cross of his son, Jesus. That's called divine forgiveness. Wow. Can you imagine that? Somebody ought to be really happy here today. Number two, God remembers our sins no more. Say remembers. God remembers our sins no more. That's interesting, the way that's worded. I, even I, am he who blots. In other words, the evidence that the stain was ever there is no longer. There's no evidence. No forensic science can go onto that document and find that there's ever been a stain, a word written about your sin in the past. It's not there. It's gone. He lifted it right off of the page and out of the fibers of the fabric of the page. I am he who blots out your transgressions, he said, for my own sake. God t- talking, for my own sake, so he could have a relationship with us. He did it so he could come to us in relationship. And I will not remember your sins. I will not. By an act of his will or choice, he's saying, I choose not to remember your sins. 
For I will be merciful to the, their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Now, the word remember means to recall or to bring something up for use, to retrieve it, to recall, to bring it up for use. When you study for a test, you know, you trust that you can recall what you studied, that it can pop back up on the screen of your mind so you can answer the, the questions properly. Recall, re recall will assist you in getting a decent grade during a test. Some of you have had some tests around this time of the year. Some of you have done really well. Some of you are going, oh my goodness, I may have to do that all over again. Okay. Recall will assist you. If you're able to recall and you put it in, into the computer, you can pull it back up. It's like the one man who said to his aging friend, the older I get, the more I believe in the hereafter. He said, I walk to another room and think, what am I here after? <laughs> you hope that you can remember why you entered the other room. It's called recall, right? Sometimes you struggle to recall. Know this. God has chosen to never bring up your past again. By an act of his will, he chooses. So let me tell you who will bring up your past again. Satan. He loves to bring up your past sins. So Calvary Christian Center, stop revisiting your forgiven sins and the forgiven sins of your brothers and sisters. In marriage, forgive. In relationships, forgive. And then leave it. Leave it. Because if there's true repentance, there will be fruit. You'll see it. It's obvious. Good fruit will start to grow. But don't go digging in the decay of a grave where sins have been buried. And we have this question people ask. Well, well Pastor, I'm, I'm not God. I can't forget. Okay? The word doesn't say God has forgotten your sins. It doesn't say he forgets. It says he chooses not to remember. And some believers will say, well, God forgets my sins. Well, Remember the character of God, one of the great tenets of faith. A part of his character, God is omniscient. Omniscient means all knowledge, all inclusive of everything. So tell me, if God knows everything, how has he forgotten your sins? If he's forgotten your sins, he has forgotten in some cases 50% of your life. <laughs> it doesn't mean he doesn't have knowledge of your sins. It means he has chosen to not bring it up again by an act of choice. And here is when you begin to be like Jesus. Here's how you know there's some fruit growing in your life and maturity. When you're living like Jesus, you access the, the power of the Holy Spirit to not bring it up again. For the sake of thought. Let's speak of the memory differences between males and females. In general terms, general. Men seem to lose their memories while they sleep. Because on your way home today, I'll show you. Just ask your husband, what did you do yesterday? And he'll think, what did I do yesterday? A woman never forgets. Okay. She can tell you exactly what you said 25 years ago. What you were wearing when you said it. The position of your hands when you said it. 
you went like that when you spoke to me. Or your little girl, when she grows into adulthood, will remind you, you forgot. You promised me, but you forgot. Years later, she'll tell others what you forgot. Seems like females don't forget much. And God created male and female. The female component knows all. The male component has chosen to forget. <laughs> no, that's not good theology. I'm just having some fun. Okay. Anyhow, it's a little perspective. Number three, God releases us from our iniquities. Say the word release. He releases us from our iniquities, Psalm 103, who forgives all your iniquities, all. And the word forgive here means to release. It actually has the meaning of a person who's been released from a debt. The debt is off the books. It's not on the books against you. The reason God releases us from the debt, someone actually came and paid your debt off. God released us from what we owe because his son took our debt and paid it. And God can't and won't charge twice for our sins. He charged his son for our sins, and his son paid that debt in full. So that word release speaks of our iniquities. He forgives, releases us from all our iniquities. That's good news. We're released. And iniquity is our inward bent toward specific sins. We each came into the world with an inward bent toward specific kinds of sins. And as you allow the Holy Spirit to examine your heart, he will reveal to you those inward sins and those inward bents you have. In other words, your character is bent in this direction toward this kind of a sin. And if the Holy Spirit isn't allowed to do that, your spouse for sure will do that and show you what those are, okay? The sins you fall easily into. So the writer to the Hebrews, Paul said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That's not the same for everybody. It differs. Now, weights are not sins. But they become sins when they replace God in our lives. That's why Paul said we, we have to strip off even those things that seem to be good, but they start to, to, to hinder us and, and weigh us down. Weights are things that on the surface are good, but not best. See, you can, you can stay home tonight and watch TV, and that may be good. Some, depends on what channel you're on, may be good. But what's best is for you to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's what's best. But here's what happens. You get into the habit of taking the good over the best. And that weight, which is not a sin in and of itself, can become a sin when it replaces God in your life. And those things begin to distract us from the perfect will of God. And instead of running the race well and swiftly and making sure that we are unencumbered, we are weighted down by those things we have allowed to stay in our lives. Now, ensnaring on the other side or besetting sins, those are sins we are most prone to commit because of our character and our nature from birth. The justification, well, I've always been this way. Your iniquity might be different from the iniquity of your spouse. In all probability, it is. The problem, 
the devil convinces us that we will always have that weakness. That forever and ever you'll have that weakness. When you make Jesus Lord, you're released. Who forgives us, who has released us, released us from all our iniquities. You say, well, I have this inward bent toward. Hear me. You are released. I proclaim the word of God in this house today. You are released. Satan tells you, you are still ensnared. I'm telling you, God's word says you are released. If you go back, you choose to go back to your sin. Well, Pastor, you know, I, I fly off the handle. I get angry really fast. You were released. So why are you choosing to go back? Have you returned to your vomit? But it has happened to them according to the true proverb Peter wrote, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So in other words, you're allowing that old nature to pop up, take over, and drag you back to once to a place where you once were. No, you've been released. You need to stand and declare it. I am released. Pastor, how do you say I'm released? Here it is. Jesus says, if you forgive the sin of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now watch. This is Jesus speaking after his resurrection. And some believe this only refers to his disciples. No, this is to the church. Some say this establishes the need for priests of confession in the church. Well, yes, James says that we are to confess our sins. And we are to share those weaknesses with others that we may be healed. So there is precedent for that. But that's not exactly what this passage is about. So you take the passage in its context. What is the subject Jesus is talking about? In the context, this is what Jesus is saying. It's 40 days. He's during the 40 days after his resurrection. He's teaching his disciples. And his emphasis during that time, he's explaining his death, his burial, and his resurrection and he's explaining the purpose of the Great Commission. Go into all the world. And he tells us to go tell people they can be forgiven or released. That's the good news. You can be released. Prison break. Jesus says, if they believe in me, if they believe the gospel, if they believe I'm the Son of God, I died for their sins, I was buried on the third day, listen, on the third day, I rose from the dead. If they believe that, then tell them they are released. They're forgiven. But if they don't believe in me and in the gospel, their sins are retained. They are not forgiven. They are still locked in their cell. I'm here to tell you, as Jesus' representative of the gospel, if you believe that Jesus is Savior and Lord, repent of your sins, accept his rule in your life, you are released. <laughs> that's the gospel. And that's what he's teaching his disciples. He's saying, you go all into the world, go all into the world together and, and share the gospel. Go into all the world, share the gospel and let them know if they accept this message, they're released. All their iniquities, gone. So you stop believing the lies of the enemy, that you're never going to overcome your sin. God forgives us 
releases us from all our iniquities. Say all. Okay. That's one of the great divine benefits of his favor toward us. So that's why I bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, who has forgiven and released me from all my iniquities. Can you thank the Lord today for his forgiveness? Stand together and bless the Lord for this great benefit he's provided us. Thank you, Lord. Come on, bless his name. In all that is within me, I bless the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. ask you to do something with eyes closed everybody ask the Holy Spirit what are you saying to me through this message what are you saying to me because all of us every day need to ask the Holy Spirit what are you saying to me today what are you saying to me because God wants to speak to us for our benefit that's the privilege of the gospel who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases. So if you want to take advantage of God's favor, that's favor, for his own sake to establish a way of communicating with us, this favor of forgiveness, you, if, you, if you want to take advantage of God's favor of forgiveness, you want release. You're in a prison. Here's, here's the deal. You sinned. I sinned. There are charges against us. There's a consequence for our sin. There's judgment for our sin. We're not going to escape it. But the jailer comes to your cell and says, I'm here to release you. We've expunged your record. The charges against you have been dropped because someone has stepped in and said, I'll take responsibility for the crimes and the sins committed. That's the graciousness of God. He sent his son to do that while we were yet sinners. And so the jailer says, I'm unlocking the door. There are no more consequences here related to your eternal state. You're free to go. That's what the Holy Spirit's offering somebody here. If you want to take advantage of God's favor of forgiveness, lift your hand.